Hi, this is Frank Allen, and if you're a regular listener to Cast and Wax, you know that this episode is the 100th anniversary, episode-wise, of the episode in which I swore at the creators of the podcast and told them off and left because I inherited billions of dollars and decided I didn't need them. And I think uh, it's about time that I offer them an apology. Mr. Uh, Jordan D. White, first to you, I would like to apologize and say you gave me everything that I uh, needed for the tools to success, one might say. So thank you for that, and I will never forget how important you are to me and my career, probably. And um, to Scape White, I'm sorry I disrupted the podcast. I don't believe I told you off or swore at you, but I'm sorry I disrupted your life by yelling. I probably woke you. I don't know for sure, uh, but odds are pretty good. You sleep a lot, so I'm sorry for that. And... Um, to the listeners, I'm sorry that, that you got had to hear me in such an unpleasant way, because, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I, I've seen clips of celebrities, I've probably helped make clips of celebrities, where they're they're yelling and they're angry and uh, and they look bad and then they have negative publicity, and I'm sorry that I, I have a, a, a sound clip of myself doing those things uh, over, the, over the air. Uh, so I want to issue an apology to you, the listener. I'm sorry I, I said terrible things. Even though they got beeped, I'm sorry you 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 knew. I mean, you knew what I was saying f when I said f So let's be honest. Um, but I'm sorry for that. Because it is... Maybe you had children listening. Probably not. This is not really a... I mean, I, it's sort of family. Well, that doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. The point... This is this is all about apologizing. So I apologized to Jordan. I apologized to Skip. Uh, the listeners... Also... You know, all the other people involved in the podcast, uh, uh, once in a while, on a, on a, on a rotating basis, um, because, because, you know, all the people involved in the serials, Lynn, uh, you know, I, I'm not apologizing for the murder thing. I, I still think I could be right, but I apologize for you, your, your podcast getting disrupted. Uh, Charles, uh, Dan, Guinevere, uh, who else? I mean, basically everybody involved at the time, especially. I mean, they weren't on a daily basis involved, but they their uh, shows that they appeared on were appearing on. Anyway, look, the point is, I apologize. That's all I have to say. I apologize. Those are my heartfelt apologies 100 episodes later. So um, thank you for listening. And I, I wish that Jordan hadn't recorded that, that song that you just heard at the beginning there, but he did. So this has been Frank Allen apologizing. Well, thank you very much, Frank, and thank you all for listening to Cast and Wax. Uh, as Frank just mentioned, up at the top of the episode, you heard a song called Frank Jerk. It is a song that Scape White improvised 100 episodes ago. Isn't that correct, Scaping? Yes, I, because Frank was being a jerk, so I did a real song. I know, we all know. And uh, and now, 100 episodes later, we've we've put instruments to it. We recorded it with a, the full band arrangement, and I think it turned out pretty well, don't you? Yes, I think it was pretty awesome. I think we should do more music like that. I'm sure, like, I'm sure we will. Good, because I like it. Good, good. Um, oh, thank you for the apology, Frank. That sounded really heartfelt and uh, serious. It was. I, you know, I meant every word. Good. Well, that's really nice of you. Well, it's yes, of course, it's nice to you and to Escape and to the listeners and to all the various other people, Lynn and Charles and meh, 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 meh. It wasn't very nice to me. Well, Rory, no, I mean, Rory, it's nice to have Frank apologize. Yes, but he didn't apologize to me. I, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I said, I'm sorry to Rory, too. No, you didn't, because I was listening, because I'm Rory. So I listen for my own name when someone's apologizing who deserves to apologize to me. I, no, I, listen, I'm sure... 
I apologize to you because anybody that deserved my apology, I, I said their name. So. Oh, oh, that's nice. That's a nice little backhanded, you know, nudge, nudge. You didn't deserve an apology. No, so that's not what I said. That, no, that's not exactly what... But that's basically what... You, look, Frank, you owed me an apology for back then because you, you said... Not only did you say the F word to me, you said double. You said double... F-word me. I, look, I've apologized so many times since then. You also owe me an apology for the fact that I spent all that money trying to save you. When I didn't need to be saved. Yes, but I didn't know. And then, I mean, of course I got the money back. So, right. So it doesn't matter. Look, Rory, look, Rory. Frank is saying that he apologized to you. Right, Frank? Yeah, I must have said it. If I was going to say it, I would have said it. That's a, that's a weasel words. Do you hear him using the weasel words? I'm not using any weasel type words. R okay, Fra Frank, Frank, let's just... Let's just get right down to brass tacks. You, you know what? Let me just let me just break this down for the listeners real quick. Listeners, um, 100 episodes ago, episode, I believe it was 33, episode 33. This is 133, right? So episode 33, we got a letter before the show saying that Frank Allen had inherited billions of dollars. And instead of doing the show with us like normal, he swore at us and stormed out of the building, started his own media corporation, a bunch of nonsense. Uh, stole shows from us. That's alleged. Alleged. Uh, I, 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 I suppose it was never proven, but it started down a dark road. And um, Frank was just giving us an apology for that reason. Now, Frank. Yes. Straight up, yes or no. Do you apologize to Rory? Straight up, yes or no. Yes or no. Yes. One of the two. Yes. You, all I want you to say is, yes, I apologize to Rory. No, I don't apologize to Rory. Not any convoluted explanation in between. Those are the only two possible answers that I want you to choose from right now. Do you apologize to Rory? <sighs> yes or no? It's, it's so... No, just yes or no. Just yes or no. Frank, yes or no. You, you are Rory, no, just hold on. He hasn't answered the question. He's going to answer it. The next word out of Frank's mouth is either going to be yes or it's going to be no, or he's not going to say anything at all. So, Frank, do you apologize to Rory? Frank. Well, you gave him a third option. You told him he could say nothing at all. Wait, so you're just not going to say anything instead of answering the question? <laughs> I don't know what the point of this is, because that basically is saying that you don't apologize to me because you're just not saying no. But in, if you did apologize to me, you say yes. Yeah, I mean, he seems to have a point there, Frank. Ah. <sighs> Okay, fine, let's move on. Uh, we've got a lot of great shows for you guys tonight. Um, we've got three, in fact, three new uh, serials. And we've got three days in history uh, with uh, because it's been three weeks. I, I, you know, Again, I apologize. At the beginning of the podcast, I did one a week. Now I do one every couple of weeks. I try to do two a month if possible, but I don't always even make that. But I do one every couple of weeks. And um, so we do do more days in history than are, are normal. But... Let's just jump right into things. You know what I'm saying? Let's kick off uh, the, the, the shows right now with A Day in History and then Slam Jackson, and we will see how things are going. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On May 28, 1940, after 18 days of ceaseless German bombardment, the King of Belgium, having asked for an armistice, is given only unconditional surrender as an option. Okay, take this, King of Belgium. Fröderschen a Goethe von Kantathorosalysium. Ah, Flickende Zerkes. Fröderschen Um, I'm... 
Sorry, I'm the king of Belgium, and I'm I'm too busy working the deep fryer right now to listen to you. Speaking of which, your highness, where yes. are you going to get those fries in here? I'm starving. Ah, oh, when I'm your highness, it's Liechtenstein and Alpen Honnevercury. Why did I rule a country where the king has to constitutionally run a fast food restaurant? This is just inane. Your food truly, will come in five minutes. Truly, it's an impoderable mystery, and I want a soda, too. This is why our military can't stand up to Hitler. Ah, and speaking of that, I think I heard something in German. Goddamn customers. You shut up. Great, now the restaurant's on fire. You, 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 who's, who? Well, if you've gotten me that soda, I could hey, put the fire hey, out. Hey, who's the janitor worship? I want the janitor. I'm who? the janitor. Okay, put water on that damn fire. But, sir, I don't Put it that. on the fire. All right. I just served soda. Not All water, right. soda. I said put the soda on the fire. Too late. Great, now it's burning down. I hope the insurance pays us off for both Hitler and this stupid fire. And speaking of fire, you're fired because you put you don't put water on a grease fire. Deutschland, Sir? Deutschland, du alles. Uh, do I get any compensation for my arms burning off? No. More importantly, do I still get my fries? I'm starving over here. Yes! And the King of Belgium did uh, surrender shortly thereafter, having learned a valuable lesson. One should never pour water on a grease fire as it just spreads it around and makes it worse, which is how uh, Belgium became a fried country. This is This Day in History on WHRW Bingham. But wait, my young apprentice. My name is Emperor Palpatine, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History, on Cast in Wax. And I, too, had to run a fast food restaurant as part of running the Empire. And my original apprentice, Darth Sipid, was at one time in charge of the French fry machine. He, unfortunately, was a smoker in addition to being an idiot, and he used to smoke over the fryer. Of course, this was disgusting because it got ashes in the fries, but in addition, my friend, he at one point caught the fryer on fire. When I heard the alarms going off, I rushed into the room, and young Darth Sipid was going to dump water on the fryer But I thought quickly and used my force strangulation techniques to strangulate him before he could dump water. I said to him, you fool, you will only spread the fire thicker around the restaurant. It is grease, grease and water do not mix, it will just spread it. And he said choking noises basically because he died while I strangled him. That's when I had to go and find a new apprentice and how I ended up with you. So make sure you learn the lessons Darth Sipid could not learn. This is Emperor Palpatine on Celebrity. Where are they now in history on Cast in Wax? Slam Jackson! Adventurist! By Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, Daniel Schwartz, and Michael Weissner. Season 2, Episode 13, The Harrowing Hollering. 
Our story opens with the private detective and famed adventurous Slam Jackson. Get back here, you. Furiously chasing me around his coffee table, his eyes alight with primal rage. I am going to kick your ass out your face. That's impossible! My ass isn't in my face! Oh, I'll fix that too. Now hold on, good buddy. I feel like we can come to an understanding about this. You stole from me while living in my house after attacking me after stalking me. I am trying to put myself in your position. Let's just walk a mile in each other's shoes. Not that I would be caught dead in those clodhoppers. I will feed you these shoes. Gross! Who is it now? One of your distractions? Some new arch-nemesis? Scouts honor my lovable landlord of Lily White Countenance, I have no idea! Slam Jackson! I would have words with thee! I'll deal with you later. Uh, hi? Greetings! Dedicated detector of deleterious dastards! I, King Balthazar of Roman, have come from far away! Roman? To... That's not a real place! My kingdom? Not a real place! Your words more ears, knave! Look, you shut up. You, he's actually right. Who are you really? Ah! Most magnificent majors of might! How foolish of me to think that I could put a fast one on you! It is I! Evil Brian Blessed, who appears at your door! Okay, who? Evil Brian Blessed, the very polar opposite of good Brian Blessed, where he shouts for justice, so there shall I shout for Tyranny! Sure, but who's good Brian Blessed? I tired of merely defining myself in terms of that imperfect duplicate! No! I have seen a more glorious calling in my future! That of narrating the exploits of every mother's favorite son, the inevitable Slam Jackson! You have got to be kidding. False! Jocularity is by no means my only option! Nay, with sorrow, joy, or melancholy, shall I blend the humor of Slam Jackson's tale into a heart-rending tapestry of triumph! Um, Brian? What, you interjecting lout? I don't mean to burst your bubble, but narrating Slam Jackson's exploits is my job. It is not your job. I don't pay you. I would require no payment. The prize money from 
numerous brand blessed impersonator contests allows me to foot my own bill! I like him better already. Hey! Yeah, Vinny Slam Jackson, with my voice behind you, following from a respectful distance, your actions shall be as rich with respect as a fine baklava with honey, and as mellifluous. I do love baklava. But, but. Good buddy! Look, I get that you're dedicated to this, but every decision you make makes my life turn that much more ruined. Cast aside this man ballast, my fine friend of freedom, and roam the land as a self-sword of self-worth once more! You know what? I just can't see it. Let's not and say we did. Very well! I shall take my leave! What? Just like that? I am not dishonorable, Brian Blessed Slam Jackson! I am a man of my word! It has been an honor! You sucked at evil Flash Gordon and good Blackadder! Man, what a jerk! Actually, he seemed pretty classy. Really? But you- It was worth it just to see you break down like that. You were shaking. I was not! Totally were. Steal from me again, and I'll beat you senseless. You got it, good buddy! Okay, so who is Brian Blessed? Who is Brian Blessed? Will our hero become more interested in his work? How much money is there in those impression contests? His jerk-faced mockery notwithstanding, our hero's exploits continue in the next brain-exploding episode of Slam Jackson! Adventurist! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, Slam Jackson was Jack Hoonrat, and Evil Brian Blessed was Charles Berman. Wow. Uh, let me just say that my throat hurts from listening to that episode. Like, I don't... I wish I was Frank Allen and just refusing to talk right now, because then my throat would have a rest, but instead, I'm talking instead. Right, Frank? You're too, you're too clever for me when I do that little trick on you. It wasn't really much of a trick. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but I thought, uh, I thought I would give it a go. So wait, so on the next episode, they're going to tell us who Brian Blessed is? Uh, probably not. I, I think that was a gag. So how do we ever find out who's Brian Blessed? Brian, well, because we know who Brian Blessed is. I don't know who Brian Blessed is. Ah, well, allow me to, um, I will look him up on Wikipedia. I, of course, knew, but I will read the Wikipedia article. Let's see. Well. Wikipedia says, Brian Blessed, born October 9th, 1936, is an English actor known for his sonorous voice and hearty, king-sized portrayals. And lest you think that that is something they made up on Wikipedia, that quote was cited 
from his internet movie database entry, uh, which does read, Boisterish British actor Brian Blessed is known for his hearty, king-sized portrayals on film and television. A giant of a man, accompanied by an eloquent wit and booming operatic voice, Brian was born in 1936 and grew up in the mining village of Goldthorpe in South Yorkshire. His father was a miner who wanted a better life for his son. Brian lost three uncles in the pit. At a young age, he displayed an acute talent for acting in school productions, but also had a penchant for boxing, a direction that would be short-lived. Working various blue-collar jobs for Undertaker's assistant to plasterer, Brian managed to attend the Bristol Old Vic and was off and running. He has lent his musical talents to several productions, from playing Old Deuteronomy in Cats to The Baron in more recent Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. In the 1970s, he began appearing more and more on on camera with both classical and contemporary performers. Will, Will you please stop that? Yes? Do you have something to say? Yeah, Frank, that's really rude to interrupt him when he's reading us information. All right, well, if you've got nothing to say, Rory, please. Um, where was I? Uh, in, in costume television movies, he has played Porthos in The Three Musketeers, The Further Adventures of the Musketeers, uh, Augustus in I, Claudius, and Long John Silver in Return to Treasure Island. He has been part of various reenactments, including Catherine the Great, Lady Chatterley, The Hound of the Baskervilles, and Kidnapped. On film, he has appeared in robust support in several William Shakespeare adaptations. Frank, will you please stop that? Frank, just talk. Just say something. Just say something. I mean, all you have to do is say yes or no, whether or not you thanked Rory, and then you can just tell us. Frank, let me put it this way. Is it that you don't want him to continue talking about Brian Blessed? Please answer that question, of course, right after you've answered the question about Rory. But but please, please go ahead. Frank, would you like him to continue reading about Brian Blessed? Yes? No? No? Yes? Well, uh... You know what, Rory? I think we, I think we've got enough information on Brian Blessed. For well, you. I I I I think I agree, actually. But does that teach you who he is, Scape? So he's a rat. he's a guy who does really loud things. Yeah, that's basically it. Okay, can I do? Can I? I would do an impression. Of I I don't think you should. I am Brian Blessed. I'm so loud. Oh wow, that was spot on. Yeah, thank you. I agree. I think that was a pretty good impression. Anyway, uh, we have some more shows. Oh. Let's get to the next show. We're going to play another day in history, then we're going to get right into the next show. The next show is Octopus Set. Now, pay attention, everybody. You should be excited about this Octopus Set thing. This is a new show that I created. Now, this is not the big show I've been working on for like a year and a half, or maybe even longer, Science Girl Cinnamon, but this is a quick show I created very quickly. Just I just sat down and said, I'm writing an episode of the show. Blah, 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 blah. That's the first episode that you heard with the crazy thing with the, with Paul, who whose name may or may not be Tom and his friend, and they buying the time machine in, in some capacity, and, and then the cops, and then the flashback, and then the, the cops came, and then the gas. Remember all that? Well, look, hopefully you remember all that, because you're about to hear the second episode in just a moment, written by Charles Berman, and things are only going to get crazier from here. So, hopefully... You will enjoy Octopus Set. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On June 4th, 1989, Chinese troops stormed through Tiananmen Square in the center of Beijing, killing and arresting thousands of pro-democracy protesters. The brutal Chinese government assault on the protesters shocked the West and brought denunciations and sanctions from the United States. All right, Ting, have you got the tank ready? I love mowing down protesters in favor of democracy. Look, look, Wang, the tank dehumanizes this for me 
far too much. I love my job to the point that I want to see my enemy's face go blank as I choke the life out of him. That's why I'm jumping out right now. God, have you inspired me? Here, take the gun. Follow me. Get your boots on and let's march. Take this, populist. Bam, 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 bam. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, democracy. Great. Bam, bam. Totalitarianism forever. I'm so proud of my work in destroying the evil protesters who want to take down Chairman Mao's vision. He wait, will bring the wait, Chairman Mao. Yeah, I know he's dead, but he. His oh, vision. I thought I thought uh, I thought we were opposing the communists. No, no, we we are the communists. Well, screw that. Bang. Ah. The end. Now, to be honest with you, I'm a bit of two minds about that uh, because on the one hand. They were hurting people, which is always bad. But on the other, they were taking pride in their work, which is a good thing. Make sure that you take pride in your work, but preferably not something that injures other people. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But halt right there, comrade. This is founder of communism, Karl Marx. And you're listening to Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History? And I'll tell you what. One of the biggest criticisms of my creation, communism, is that people will no longer take pride in their work if they're not being paid. I would argue, in fact, the opposite, that by removing the pure drive of greed from people's choices of occupation, we're allowing them to instead pursue the thing that they're passionate about and the thing that they're good at. But listen to me trying to convert people to communism when I'm here to deep your lesson. It's almost as though I should take more pride in the job that I'm doing here on this show instead of pursuing my own little goal. And you know, there's a lesson for you, because if I would, in fact, take pride in the thing that I'm doing, you can come away from this with a clear lesson about life, unlike me who's meandering around telling you all this nonsense about communism. But of course communism is my creation, so in fact as a creator, perhaps I'm taking pride in the work I do elsewhere. When you do something, take pride in your guys' damn work, whether you be creating communism or being a game show host or a lesson giver like I am right now. My name is Karl Marx. I'm the founder of communism. And this is Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History on Cast in Wax. Octopus Set, created by Charles Byrne and Jordan D. White. Episode 2, The Lies, by Charles Berman. Okay, still Paul here. I've got kind of an embarrassing admission to make, actually. You remember earlier how I said everything you were about to hear was 100% true? Well, that wasn't strictly true. But everything else I told you was. Don't try and follow the logic there, just believe me. At this point, my roommate Ed had just come home covered in blood, having admitted to killing a dealer at some seedy club over some time machine, and I'd just been knocked out by the gas the cops had thrown through the window when they arrived. So naturally, everything I know about what happened next has come from Ed and the cops, and that ridiculous book, but that didn't come till later. And naturally, I'm not sure how true all of that is. I mean, Ed's an alright guy, but it depends on how much you trust the guy who just committed murder and got his roommate gassed. See, Tom's never been as smart as me. He heard police, and he thought we meant we were dealing with the police. Now, do police use gas attacks in this day and age? Do the police hide like cowards down on the street when the man they're chasing is upstairs? I knew we were dealing with imposters here. I assure you, I am a real officer from the real police, Mr. Cranshaw. Says you. 
Officer De Silva. But anyway, that's why I ran downstairs. I'd rather face some fake police officer man-to-man than sit here and be gassed. Now, if you'll show me where Tom is, I'd like to get out of here. You mean Paul! And if by out of here, you mean out of the interrogation room and back to your cell, we can do that. You can just let us know when you're ready to talk. That or we'll just decide for you. You call that a cell. More like a closet. You heard me. Get in there. If you wanted to fool me, at least you could have moved the old blazers. I said... Damn it. I'd known Tom for a while, but ever since we moved in together, after Susie left with all the newspapers and most of the exhibit, and let's face it, my heart, Tom hasn't been the same. As soon as he started telling me he wanted to be called Paul, and refusing to discuss anything about his past, I started to suspect there was something about his past that he wanted to keep hidden. I mean, he'd always been a liar, but... What are you writing? Nothing, Tom? Ahem. Nothing, Paul. You're not confessing, are you? No. And to what? The dealer or the time? Shut up! The pigs will hear you. That's as good as a confession to them. Quiet down in there, you two. Play it cool! I'm not confessing. And even if I were, there aren't any real police to confess to. You have no faith in anything, Ed. I have no what? Faith in anything. Such as everything I tell you, which is the absolute truth. The oldest church in Sri Lanka? I have the scars to prove it. Sometimes you just have to take things at face value. These cops are real cops. The mysterious past that I'm hiding from the world is not to protect a dark secret. You can't bring yourself to trust anyone or anything. That's why Susie left you. That is not why Susie left me. I kept going to strip clubs. That was probably part of it, but- Oh, officer, officer. La Bombard. Officer La Bombard. I wonder if you'd let me see your badge, or, perhaps, a more acceptable uniform than- Hey, I like it. He looks fine, Ed. I still require more proof. If I'm going to participate in this puerile charade of an incarceration, you ought to play along and at least give me some fake proof and try to convince me, if nothing else. How's this? That doesn't convince me of anything except that you're violent. If you want to- Okay, that proves beyond any doubt that- How about we see some time machine? You're a little too late! Ha! I'm here when you're ready to talk. Okay, I lied. A little, but I lied to Tom. The man who insists that the time machine comes from space. That kind of lying doesn't really count. See- Susie did leave because of the strip clubs, but she also left because I caught on to her lying. And that's when she started to think I couldn't trust her. See, Susie was a painter, and that was the trouble. But you're a writer. So? Surely a man who earns his living from the pen must yearn to understand the lives of those of us who martyr ourselves to art. If you actually martyred yourself for non-figurative art? Why would I ever... Abstractions are decadent. I mean, non-figuratively, martyred yourself for art. Then that is something I'd write about. Couldn't you write something about the exhibit? The newspapers? Maybe even the snood? Have you read The Inquisitor? I choose to interpret most of it as satirical. Good for you. Holy Grail found at bottom of Middle Eastern sink. Owner claims to have been meaning to do dishes for ages. That was meant seriously. Sure, make fun, have your laugh, my paper. I'm going to the octopus. What do you do there? Drink, eat, 
chat? You can do that anywhere. It's a different crowd there, Ed. The octopus set appreciates art. They appreciate my art. That's the only way to appreciate me. Because you're such a painter. Yes. Must be more time machine going on there than I thought, because maybe you're a painter, but I've never seen you paint anything. In a year, I've never seen one of your paintings. Not so much as a sketch. Ed, you have no faith in anything. Get over her, Ed. Maybe it did have something to do with no faith in anything. Wonder if her paintings were any good. I'll let you know if I run into any in the jail cell. Closet. We could bribe them. Real or fake, they should respond to that. Well, we haven't cashed in yet, but... Cashed in what? Oh, Officer LaBombard. <laughs> Didn't realize you'd be listening. <sighs> Just this. Oh, well, in that case, we may be able to work out a... Uh... Get up here, Lois! I need you! <sighs> Excuse me, gentlemen. Be right back. Louis, Louis LeBombard? Yes. Silva de Silva? Yes. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do can and will be held against you in the court of law. You have the right to speak to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. You hear that? They got arrested. The cops just got arrested. Well, that just proves that they're not real cops. No, it doesn't. But it might just let you off the hook. Me? You mean us? You're the murderer, remember? My past is a complete mystery. How could I forget? Okay, let's, um... We don't have a way out, do we? Nope. We're locked in a police station. House. And the officers have just been hauled off. Yes. Well, crap. In that episode of Octopus Set, Tom was Bailiff Quimby, Ed Crenshaw was Jacob Thompson, Officer Silva de Silva was Jordan Randall, Officer Louis LaBombard was Ed Jones, Susie was Sarah Diaz, and Officer Hieronymus Blitovich was Pete Bowers. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Kodmikowski. Thank you very much, Rory, and hopefully everybody enjoyed that. That was The Lies, as opposed to the first episode, which I believe was called The Truth, maybe? Uh, the True Story. That was close. Anyway, there are more episodes in play uh, of this in in production, um, I think we have what maybe five episodes written, and we're working on we're working on, working on getting more all the time. Uh, it's a it's a really silly show, and it gets sillier. Um, so hopefully you will all enjoy that. Speaking of things that are silly, Frank is still not speaking, as you can hear, and um, we're gonna just gonna keep keep on trucking as they as they say in the truck business. Rory, uh, what do you think? Is trucking sounds good? To me. Right, then we shall truck forward. Uh, let's get to another day in history, one for actually today, and Nathan Van Etten. Hello and welcome to This Day in History with Rory Sinjin. My name is Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. On June 11th, 1962, John and Clarence Anglin and Frank Lee Morris attempted to escape from Alcatraz Federal Prison. The three men were never seen again, and although some believe that theirs was the only successful getaway from what was known as The Rock, it is far more likely that they drowned in the chilly 54-degree water. Okay, we've got the escape. Let's do this. First roll call. I'm here. So am I. Is she here? I'm totally here. 
All right, right, we're all here. We're all here. Let's go to the car. Car, this boat, dude. Oh, yeah, you're right. Wait, you you got stuff for a car? That explains your driving gloves. Yeah, well, you know, I've been jail a while. A car, a boat, they, they look like I guess you have guys. been in for a while. Wait, yeah. where the hell did you get a car in jail? Uh, well, he works in the shop. Yeah, I built one. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you want to use it? Uh, well, we're surrounded by water. I thought I made that clear. We can put the car on the boat and then drive across. All right, you're going to be in charge of the boat. Okay. Because he's not allowed to touch anything. All right. And, uh. Um, All right, bring, yeah. bring around the boat, please. Okay, I'll, I'll distract the guards. Let me think. I'll put some gas in. I guess I'll gas it up. The water's a little chilly, but well, whatever. All right. That won't do any harm. Uh, hey, I told you to stay away from the boat. I just pressed this button here. Yeah, that, Not that one. that button. <laughs> she sneezed. Gesundheit. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you true. did put antifreeze in, right? What? No. Antifreeze. Oh, that explains why uh, we're not moving we're anymore. Yeah. Mm. Wait, no, uh, that doesn't explain why we're sinking. Crap. It's this damned car. It's too heavy. We're sinking. I thought I made a light car. This is an SUV. No wonder we're sinking. Look at how heavy this is. Can I go back what to is... jail now? No, we're, we're, we're dying. We're in the middle oh, of the water. On. Help, prison, help. This sucks. Yeah. Of course, uh, John was actually completely in correct. The boat failing had nothing to do with the fact that they didn't put antifreeze in it, as it was uh, June 11th, as I said. But a few months from now, when it does get cold, you should make sure to put fuel line antifreeze in your car to keep it running smoothly. Otherwise, it could do things like sink into the ocean if it's a boat. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Yes. No! This is the Queen of England, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History, and I am here to disagree with my former subject, Rory Sinjin. He says to put antifreeze in your cars when it's cold to keep them from breaking down, but I have never once put antifreeze into my car with the petrol that gets put into my car and the reason for this is that i make sure my servants put antifreeze in the car with the petrol not me myself because it is a very coarse and awful thing to do for oneself so one should always have one's servants do that please once in a while they can forget to do this and then the car can break down and then you can just command one of your other subjects to give you their car and then you can continue driving on your way to get to the tea that you're going to. The point is, petrol, antifreeze, together when it's cold. That sounds very sensible, but don't do it yourself, because if you do, you're a commoner. And I'm assuming this is not a podcast for commoners, or else I would not be asked to be on it. Is that correct, Mr. Zinjin? Uh, yes, ma'am. That is what I thought. Excellent. Thank you, my rich-blooded subjects who are listening to this. If any commoners accidentally hear this, please close your ears for the remainder of the podcast. My name is Queen Elizabeth, the something or other number, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Nathan Van Etten saves Vermont! By Charles Berman, Eddie Kirchner, Mickey Weissner, Daniel Schwartz, and Pete Bowers.
Episode 4! What do you keep talking about, Nathan? Vermont is not in danger. Because it is only when we are in danger that there is a chance of getting hurt unless it's an accident or... Oh, baby. You're so adorable when you try to speak in tautologies. You really miss your voice, don't you? Let me see if I can make you feel better. I wonder if there's anything we can do in this hotel room together. I designed this Lord of the Rings corset for you. It's exactly what Galadriel would be wearing if you saw her without a dress on. But you'll have to get it off me before you can have it. Wow, Jane. That is a very kind offer. Just picturing you in that makes me realize how uncomfortable you would be in it. I could never ask that of you. Why, Nathan, how friggin' thoughtful. Don't mention it, my obsessive friend, for it is only Drop when- Drop small talk, lock the door, pull off my- Well, later. Oh, am I interrupting something? Yes. No! Oh, good. I'm Helen from the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company. Perhaps you've heard of me? No. no. Not surprising. I'm not famous. I will be your personal escort to, through, around, and with the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company. I hope you have a great time. Any corporate secrets you learn in the course of your tour of the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company are the sole property of the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company, and the disposal and usage thereof is at the sole discretion of the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company, and any unauthorized usage, therefore, will be punishable to the full extent of the law and beyond. Sound okie-dokie? I guess, if I knew what it meant. Great! Time for the tour! Here's the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Factory. Surely you want to see the parking lot first. Surely I am seeing the parking lot first because here it is! Exciting, right? Remember that the location of the parking lot is a corporate secret of the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company. Do you keep the cars somewhere else? Yeah, look at how empty it is. We're totally exposed, yet there's nobody around to actually see us. Oh, it's everybody's day off. Come on inside. Here's the office. There's nobody in it today because nobody is at work, which is also a secret. Helen, is there somewhere secluded in this large and apparently abandoned factory that Nathan and I could go alone to discuss how much we love maple syrup? Probably. Let's go. This is the green door. It's the next one we pass through. Now this, this is the janitor's closet. Mum's the word, but this is where the janitor keeps the things he cleans with. And here's where we use proprietary processes to produce classified substances. So informative. So riveting. I never imagined the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Company would be like this. What's behind the door marked interesting? Oh, that's where we keep the interesting things. They can't be shown to visitors. Interesting. Well, I thought everybody was off work. Who are all these skinny wounded guys? Oh, those are slaves, not workers. Wow. Not as much leather as I would have thought. But you really shouldn't keep slaves. Sometimes they just up and leave in the middle of a job. Oh, Nathan, I wouldn't if I were your slave. Does anybody else feel really awkward right now? Not me. Now, here's the sap extractor. It extracts sap. Better watch out. <laughs> that was my joke. But no, really, it can extract all the vital fluids from a living being in under three seconds. Watch out. Helen, I truly wish to thank you for showing me the wonders of the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Factory. It is as fantastic as four. I will remember it for as long as I have my memory. 
And Jane, seeing you here, being a girl, and shimmering in the mottled light cast through the majestically high and picturesquely half-cracked windows of this factory, one thought comes to mind. Yes, Nathan? Yes? Oh, how I wish I had known Ivana would be free to come to Vermont at the time I had received my free ticket! Nathan, that is the most... Foolish mistake I have ever made, I know. Can you ever forgive me for dragging you along instead? Of course, Nathan. It will be a great story to tell our grandchildren. Actually, telling your grandchildren about this experience will be illegal. Now, if you'll proceed to the award ceremony hall, the hall where most of our award ceremonies are held, Newt Meg is about to perform. What are all these people doing here? Oh, they're watching the show. They're residents of Vermont, so they've been asked to attend. Why are there so many empty seats? There are very few residents of Vermont. Come on. Hi, everyone. I'm Helen. You probably haven't heard of me. Now that Nathan's here, we can give him his award. Remember, audience, the identity of the Ann B. Davis Photo Contest Best Contest Entry Photo Award is a secret. And the winner is Nathan Van Etten. Hooray! Now clap! Nathan, your pathetic photo of yourself sitting alone in a dumpster with a few cracked bottles of Ann B. Davis maple syrup was impressively pitiful. It shows the incredible lows to which a person will stoop for Ann B. Davis maple syrup. What a loser you are! I think you mean winner! I just won! Words are interesting. Here's your award! I hope you have fun with it. The Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company grants you custodial rights over the statue until such a time as the award expires. Thank you, Helen. I have a few words to say. You know, when I heard somebody read to me on the plane over here that the N.B. Davis Maple Syrup Factory was about to be closed, I was pretty unhappy. I even shouted abuse at the other passengers. So when I infiltrated the factory with the sneakiness of Maxwell Smart himself... Actually, you were invited. Go on, enjoy your speech. That's what I would have you believe. When I found my way inside, I hoped against hope the rumors were all the work of killjoys like my dad who don't like syrup. But I found the factory as empty as Darth Vader's heart. So I call upon ye, O sons of Vermont. Ride with me against the opponents of syrup. Ride into the forests of Tall Oak. Save our syrup. Save our souls. Thank you for speaking, Nathan. Now your speech is over. Wait just a minute. According to the award letter, you have yet to grant us the following items. One lifetime supply of syrup. One check for $25,000. One autographed photo with Ambie Davis. One night of sweaty, hedonistic passion with Nathan. Jane, I don't remember reading that on the list. Nathan, I refuse to leave these waltz without having given you everything on this list. Every jot, every tittle. <laughs> you said tittle? Well, I'm terribly sorry, but you of course received the secondary award letter in the mail, yes? What? No, we never received anything past this letter. Oh, well then it will be my extreme displeasure to inform you that, due to completely foreseen and plausible circumstances, we've had to reduce your prize package to, and I quote, one Anby Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory Incorporation stamp set. And to present that award to you, someone we're more excited to see than you. Everyone, please join me welcoming the CEO of Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup. I'll take it from here. Prepare yourself, Nathan, for it is I. Who is this? Nolan. Gasp. Vaughn. You. Edson.
In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Aaron Morrissey, Helen was Lisa Paquette, and Nolan Von Etzen was Ed June. Thank you very much, Rory. And uh, while we were listening to that, I got a text message here from Charles Berman saying that he just found his first chick tract out in the wild, meaning, uh, you know, the, ch- the tracks we used to do in Tractor Fiction. Um, he found he found a chick tract. It was uh, Allah had no son. I, I'm sure I've read that one. I don't remember it very well, but obviously it's an anti-Muslim one. I think that's pretty funny. Yes, that is pretty humorous. Uh, which actually reminds me, Frank, um, 100 episodes ago, uh, when you when you stormed out, you um, you were going to do something special for the the episode of Tractor Fiction that we had. That episode we had the episode Lisa, which when we were recording it live on the air, we ran out of time and we couldn't do a debate. And uh, you said you had something prepared, but then you stormed out, so we never heard what it was. What was it? Seriously, you're still doing this? Okay, uh, let's move on then. In that case, we get on to our listener mail. Uh, I want to say a bunch of things about listener mail. First of all, please, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying this podcast, hop onto iTunes, rate it, give it a rating, and, and give it a little review. Nobody's done a new review since last week, unfortunately, which is a bit of a bummer because I was really hoping to, to have uh, new reviews to read. But if you do do some new reviews, if anybody reviews it, I will totally talk about your review on, um, you know, the podcast. Anyway, uh, what else can we say and do and blah, 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 blah. We can do the listener mail. Right, right, right. That's what I was going to say. Castinwax at gmail.com. Castinwax at gmail.com. We do have a few letters to read. So, Rory, can you read this first one for me? Yes, of course. Dear Scape, I am a farmer, and I recently decided to get into sheep farming. I wrote to another farmer and asked him to sell me a pair of sheep, one male and one female, so that I could start raising sheep. However, he got my order wrong and sent me two females instead. Now I have a double U. It is very irritating since they cannot reproduce and make me more sheep. What do you think I should do? Also, if I wanted to write about the double U, how would I spell them? Thanks, Sergei Spassky. Oh, I know all about that. I know all about that. Oh, good, Scape. Good. You know about sheep. No, no. I know about spelling. Um, okay. Here's how you spell you. Uh, you spell it Y-O-U, but then, okay. Then you have to replace the U with Y-O-U. Wait, but but how are you going to do double U? How am I going to do double I have to do it two times. So, why are you, why are you, but then the you and both have to be why are you, so it's why are, why are you, why are, why are you, but then the you and that has to be why are you, so then it's why are, why are, why are you, why are, why are, why are you, okay? I, I, look, I, <laughs> okay, I, guys, I have to confess, I secretly recorded you talking to Lynn about this scape, and then I played it on the podcast. That's why we're getting all this email about it. So, Okay, so everybody already knows about this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Ha, so... So then why did they ask about it? Because I think... Because well, you were talking about you, and now he's talking about W. Oh, so you just do it two times. Times two. You do you, and then you do it times two. And why didn't you just spell it with the letter U? <laughs> why, why is that funny? Because you're like... You're like... You're like adorably naive. That you think letters are just spelled with the letter. That's not the case. No, no. When you say... In fact, when I say Y-O-U, you have to go W-H-Y for Y, and you have to say O-H for O, and then you have to say Y-O-U for U, so you get W-H-Y-O-H-Y-O-U, and then you have to replace the W with R of that two times, and then... 
H is just H. And then Y has to, uh, uh, W H Y. So then you end up with W H Y O H Y O U W H Y O H Y O U H W H Y O H H Y. No, I messed it wait, up. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. This no, is crazy. W H Y O H Y O U W H Y O H Y O U H W H Y O H H W H Y O H Y O U. Okay, all right. So that's how yeah, you. But then, no, but then you have to you have to replace all of those. No, no, escape. You just gotta stop this. You gotta stop. You gotta but stop. I'm that. trying to spell this. Word. Yeah, I know, I know. But I, first of all, every time you you do it, you end up with a different answer. Yeah, but I'm, I'm it's theory. I'm working it out. I have to do the wrong form spelling. There, no, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. Okay, uh, the way that you spell W, the letter is with just the letter W. Yeah, that is ridiculous. It's not. But also the way you spell, as you know. Sir, the way you spell W when you're talking about two sheep is D O U B L E space E W E. Where are you getting this stuff from? Escape, I'm getting it from my knowledge of the world. Okay, gonna keep moving on now. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Rory, we've got another, you know what? We've got another, oh gosh. We've got another letter for Scape on this same subject. Oh, wonderful. Um, hi, Scapey. How are parentheses 2H to the infinite power? I am good. I hope to H in parentheses to the infinite power. I had a good MF this week. I am wondering if to H in parentheses to the infinite power graduated rock school yet. I didn't hear it, but I noticed to H parentheses to the infinite power aren't making songs lately. So maybe to H parentheses to the infinite power did. Then congratulations. Please make more songs soon. I like them from Melissa. Okay, Scape, a couple of issues here. First of all, 2H in parentheses to the infinite power is another one of the theories you had of for how to spell you. So she's writing that instead of the word you. And she's right. Maybe. If I, I'm not sure. I, that might be right. Well, I did notice. I mean, I will say I did notice that a lot of the letters, for some reason, you've decided that H doesn't reduce down any, doesn't have any factors to it. No, it doesn't. It's a prime. It's a prime letter. So all the other ones that you use in there, because uh, like, you know, Y-O-U, and then the Y becomes W-H-Y, and all of those can become, you know, W-H-Y, W-H-Y, and Y-O-U, Y-O-U, and um, the O is O-H. And so you keep getting these H's. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with a hurry out of H's. Times like infinite because it just keeps generating more inches. That's highly unusual. But anyway, so she's written that. But do you see how confusing it is? Because it doesn't look like it says, how are you? It looks like, how are parentheses 2H close parentheses to the infinite power? Dad, just you gotta learn how to read proper. Okay. And then she, but she asks you, because that's what she's trying to do, about rock school. And have you graduated rock school yet? No, I didn't. Why'd you ask? Because she likes your music. Oh. Well, I just made a song, so you, you probably enjoyed that a lot. I hope you enjoyed it, Marissa. That was for you. Well, you don't say it was for her. You didn't make it for her. I did in a sense, because I made it for all my fans. <sighs> you made it because I told you to. Well. Well, what? Okay. <sighs> we got a couple more, more letters here. Um, Rory, we've got uh, one. Well, this is not actually to you, but it, and it deals with you, so I'll read it to you. Uh, hi, all. It was great to be able to talk with you last episode. This is from our good friend, Lynn Nelson. 
It was great to be able to talk to you last episode, even just a little by speakerphone. I'm sorry if it was awkward that way, but these days, I'm juggling several calls at once between the book deal I'm finalizing and my various talk show appearances. The recognition for my work is exhilarating, but it can be exhausting at times. Anyway, Rory, I just wanted to let you know that John baptiste has arrived and settled into my townhouse. I'm actually glad to have someone around that house, as I will be largely on the road and staying at the country house for quite some time while I'm writing my book. And it's nice to know that someone can make good use of the space. He's even looking after my aquarium while I'm away. Turns out he's quite an enthusiast enthusiast himself, and his family is French, so it's been nice to converse with him. He's agreed, after I publish my book, to be the French translator. Jean-Baptiste brought his extra-historical materials and some of his real historical research, and the kid has real talent. I can't believe I'm saying this, but he could actually legitimize extra-history on a large scale. Since you're not interested in his papers, I sent them to London. I think he could re-establish the study there. Isn't that exciting? I have to run, but I look forward to seeing you guys soon, or recording something again. Frank, thanks for covering on the scapey story. You did a great job of impersonating me. Catch you later. Lynn. Wait, hey, that's ridiculous. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before we, we get, move on, actually, we have a related letter. Here we are. Dear Rory, I want to extend to you my sincerest thanks for your invaluable suggestions on my course of action. First, I acted upon your idea to burn the fruits of my extra historical labors to prevent them from falling into amateur hands. This I did with a heavy heart, but secure in the knowledge that I incited this holocaust of extra historical documentation for the good of mankind. I lit my reams of paper in the street outside the Starbucks where I wrote you, but immediately this selfless gesture was called into question by the police who considered the creation of such a conflagration a safety risk. As such, not all of my documentation was able to be raised from the level of existence. Immediately, though, knowing of the generous and well-deserved offer that had been made to me of lodgings at Lynn Nelson's house, I sped there. The urgency of the situation led me to force the door, and conveniently, I found some cash inside, allowing me to bribe the police officers who followed into leaving me in peace. I must say my accommodations have been quite acceptable. The usual residents of the house have bothered me almost not at all. They seem to come home less and less as I set up my center of extra-historical operations at my new residence. I have even managed to make great advances in the fields of aquarium management slash fish experimentation and French translation. I cannot wait for classes to start. See Jean-Baptiste Saint-Seraph. I, I, I am so un... I don't... with... Rory, what's, what's wrong? I'm, I'm just... I am glad... wonderful, uh, Jean-Baptiste, I'm glad that you're... I, I'm I'm very happy that you are mm, well. It looks like my first student is already off to a promising career as a student of mine. But of course, Jean Baptiste, I must uh, I must insist, for your own good, of course, that you not take any more jobs uh, before you. You have begun studying, by which I mean extra-historical jobs. And probably the French translation job is, is unwise, just because translating into French is, is an unwise course in general. The French don't deserve good things. But I must insist, for your own good, that you not take any more extra-historical jobs, because as an extra-historical expert, I think I, uh, and, and as your, your mentor, your soon-to-be mentor, and perhaps even your current mentor, because I've been mentoring you through these emails, I, I would say that you should not take any jobs without my approval. You know, uh, when a job offer is made through the Institute, the Institute is able to place people on those jobs with much more um, specific and and perfect placement than one is able to do on one's own. So, you know, when, when we get a job offer for you through the Institute, you know, the Institute, of course, has to take a clerical fee, but, you know, it's, it's very small. And then we, we place you on jobs you are perfect for. So don't, regarding the London thing, whatever they say, worry not. 
Think, don't even when they when if you get a letter, I would say just don't. I mean, don't burn it because obviously we've had trouble with burning now. But just tear it up, throw it in the garbage. Don't let Lynn see it. You know, uh, don't let anyone look at it. Just you know, destroy it as thoroughly as you can because they should really be making offers through us because you are, are officially registered as one of our students. So that's all I have to say about that. I'm glad things are working out with you, Lynn. I uh, hope you don't kill any of her fish. I know she's quite fond of them. So. Frank, did you want to say anything about that? Uh, uh, Lynn was talking about how she talked to us on the on the phone last week. Did you want to say anything about that? No. Okay, guess not. I have one more letter here, which uh, Rory, uh, if you would be so kind as to read it to me. Yes, of course, dear Comrade White. I have been following with interest and admiration your administratorship of your new zoo. I think that you show great promise and appreciate all you have done for the proletarian workers of the zoo world. With this in mind. I would like to offer you a free trip to Cuba in a trial position as a legislator in the Cuban Parliament. We need creative young minds like yours and hope that you will take advantage of this opportunity. Hasta la victoria siempre. Workers of the world, unite. Sincerely, Raul Castro, First Secretary of the Communist Party of Cuba, President of Cuba. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, Castro. That's that's really, really sweet of you. Um, he's, of course, referring... I, I'm so sorry I haven't had extensive updates for you listeners, but he's, of course, referring to my zoo. When I took ownership of the Bronx Zoo, I changed it, and now it is known as the Bronx Zooviet Socialist Republic, as you know if you've driven by the signs. Bronx Zooviet uh, Socialist Republic, BZSR. And it is... A pleasure to be working on it, but I, I, I hope to have Doc Mike here next week, uh, well, by which I mean next episode, so that we can talk about how things are going at the zoo. Thank you so much, Mr. Castro, but the thing is, as much as I, I would love to work on the Cuban government with you, I, I just, I feel like I really like my position at Marvel, and I like working on comics so very much. It's easier for me to oversee the zoo, uh, because I, I can have Doc Mike working on it for me, but I just can't pack up my life and move to Cuba. First of all, I, I'm afraid of bugs, and I'm assuming there are bugs down there since it's a lot warmer. And second of all, I don't speak Cuban. Is that what language you speak there? I'm assuming it's Cuban. They, they speak Spanish, actually. Oh, Spanish. Well, I don't speak Spanish either. I have a little bit of French. I, I have a lot of English, and that's about it. I can do Pig Latin. They can probably communicate with you in Pig Latin. They study that there? Well, Spanish is a romance language, so it probably shares enough words with, with Pig Latin. I think so? I'm, I, but, well, regardless, I just don't, I don't think that I can, I don't think I can do that. I don't want to, I don't want to pack up my life. I have a wife here, and I have cats, you know, and they probably won't want to move. I don't, I don't want to move at all. See? So, thank you, Raul, but, uh, I, I can't. But, everybody else out there, please write into us, castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com, and you can have your letter read on the air, and you can do important things, right, Frank? I thought that might work, but it didn't. Anyway, um, what else can I say? Please, iTunes, Cast and Wax, go to Cast and Wax on iTunes, give us a rating, drop us a review, that'd be really awesome. And other than that, ooh, I guess uh, we're going to have a little quickie ukulele cover to see us out, and I will be seeing No, I'm not sorry. Wait, wait, wait. thought of you in 15 days and today I still won't think of you and when I call you up and you're not home well I might not even care every day gets better than the one before cause every day I know that I'm fine without you cause I don't think about you this one is not about you you can put that in your pipe smoke it this one is not about you Every time I ride past your house, I forget it's you who's 
Smoke it, this one is not a bad 